It's your mindset, your truth, your authority, your will. I pray let the Holy Ghost flow. Let there be revelation. Let your empowerment touch your people and every mother that's here this morning. We lose your authority, your power, and your spirit and release your will to be done. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think that most would agree this morning that if there has ever been a difficult time to be a parent, well, that difficult time is today. It's a very difficult world and culture and generation that we live in to raise God-fearing and healthy children because the hour is so dark all around us. There are so many forces in our culture that are working overtime to steal the hearts and the minds of our children. I just want to give you one example, and I could spend an hour here giving you examples of things that are happening in our world, but I won't do that. Just one will suffice this morning. And that example is what happened just over the last month with Walt Disney. Now, Walt Disney was one company in the film industry in Hollywood that literally built a reputation on producing wholesome, kid-friendly movies. But announced this past month by a lady named Karen Burke. She is the president of Disney's general entertainment content, so she decides what gets produced. She said, from here on out, 50% of all of their movies will contain in them characters that represent the LGBTQ community and lifestyles. Because they want to get it all into your kids. You see, it's every area of life. It's a nonstop attack. There's fresh attacks on your children every month, every week, every day, it's seemingly From the movie industry, to the gaming industry, to the music industry, to the social media platforms and agendas, to public schools with their anti-God sentiment, to the woke media, and even to the President of the United States that signed an executive order, our President, signed an executive order protecting transgender men who now identify as a woman making sure to protect them and their ability to participate in all female sports across America in high schools. This is the sick world we live in. And this is the culture and the generation that you mothers have to raise godly children. You are under attack. Your Christian values are under attack. Your God-fearing faith is under attack. Jesus said it best, You will be hated for my name's sake. These attacks are coming from everywhere, all sides, politicians, judges, uh, the CEOs of almost every major corporation, the teacher union, CRT curriculum, and all of this new woke ideology. It's bombarding the minds and the hearts of our kids. This attack rages um, on the constantly advanced technology of all of these you know, new gadgets that are thrust in our kids' hands. It's coming through the internet, through the social media platforms, through YouTube, through music, and through every other type of media. And they all have their agendas. And they're carrying it out in all of these gadgets to infiltrate the minds and the hearts of our kids. 
And it seems like as a parent, as a mother, it seems like you're surrounded on every side with no one to help you. Every day is a new attack. Every day grows darker and darker. Every day we see grosser and grosser sin thrust in our face. And all of it is to steal the word of God out of your children. All of it is to steal their God-given identity till they can't even uh, stand firm on what gender they are. To steal them literally out of the presence of God. This is Satan's desire and agenda. So to every God-fearing mother this morning, as we stand and we celebrate Mother's Day, every mother is trying to do her best to raise God-fearing children in the house of God. I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, this pastor, if I can speak correctly, this pastor honors every one of you because I know it's not easy. I know what you're facing, and I know how difficult it is. But I want to tell you the greatest gift that you can ever give your children is not money. It's not the greatest education. It's not a car or a house. The greatest gift you can give your children is to teach them about the Lord. To teach them how they can enter into the divine presence of God for themselves. To teach them how to pray. To teach your little children how to seek God. To teach them what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is all about. To teach them about his word and God's commandments. To teach them how they can make a life that is built upon a covenant with the Almighty God. A life that is lived in faith. Yes, mother, this is the greatest gift you can give your child. This is the greatest thing you as a mother could ever give to your children. Now I want to look at one example in scripture this morning because I believe this this mother embodies an incredible example for us and for every mother. An example of strength and a, uh, an example of courage and an example of faith in a generation that was just as dark. Maybe the, the details were different, but the oppressive nature of what she was facing was so similar to what we are facing in our generation. And I want to look at the mother of Moses. Her name is Jacobed. She was a daughter of the tribe of Levi, and her name literally means whose glory is Jehovah. What a name. What a meaning. She, like you, lived in very troubled days. She, like you, desired the best for her children. There are four lessons that the Lord gave me this morning that he wants me to share with you out of life of the mother of Moses. Now, these are general principles that can go beyond motherhood, but they specifically touch the heart of what a mother is all about. The first thing I want to look at is the, is the lesson that Jacobed wants to teach us is that trials and circumstances are not greater than a mother's faith. They are not. You face trials, circumstances, and darkness. I just enumerated a bunch of them. But they are not greater than the faith that you possess. 
Your faith is stronger. Your faith is more powerful. And your faith can break the bondage of anything that your children have to face or that you face as a mother. Now, Exodus 1 and 22 sets the stage for the time period. The Hebrew people were in bondage in Egypt. They were under slavery, under the bondage of an oppressive government. There was no freedoms. It was leaders without restraint. There was, there was no one they could go to for justice or for fairness. No, they were under the thumb of the whims of the leaders. And these leaders were prejudiced, and they hated the Hebrew people. They looked at the Hebrew people, and they said, we better do something because they are more and mightier than us, so we better put them under bondage, under the chain, under our thumb. They began to pass hate laws and laws that would legalize and force genocide in their generation. In Exodus 1 and 22, it says this, And Pharaoh charged all of his people, saying this, Every son that is born, you shall cast into the river. This was not just maybe his opinion or some advice. This was law. Pharaoh's word was law. In fact, they looked at Pharaoh as a god. They worshiped Pharaoh. And, they, and Pharaoh was determining on that day and proclaiming that from this moment on, every son that is born shall be cast into the Nile River. He said, you can keep the daughters, but kill the men. These were extremely dark days. Imagine you being in Israel in that day. Imagine you being living in that day and age and seeing that headline, however it came to you, saying a new law has been passed. And imagine how hopeless the situation. Everything seemed bleak. The Hebrews, they were slaves and bondage, and, and now Egypt was going to murder all of their male children. Throw them in the river like garbage, meaningless. Life has no value. You see, it was of this time of great darkness, this horrific, unspeakable tragedies that happened all around as they begin to carry out the orders and throwing these innocent children into the river. It was a time of sadness and brokenheartedness and hopelessness. Fear dominated the people, the Hebrews, the mothers, the generation. And in this culture of oppression, in this culture where evil seemed to just dominate on every hand, where people were beaten down and enslaved by this godless nation, where life uh, that they were living was gripped by fear and uncertainty. They didn't know what tomorrow would bring. That Jacob had refused. She absolutely made her mind. I will not walk in fear. I won't do it. My friend, it's a choice. You can look around and be afraid or you can look around and say, no, my God's greater. I've got a relationship with God and I'm going to call on the throne of God to touch my babies and touch my children. I see what Disney's doing. I see what Hollywood's doing. I see the agendas of shame, but my God is greater. 
Jacob had said, I'm not going to be afraid. No, I refuse to walk in fear. How many people are, are so afraid of what tomorrow brings? So afraid of the generation. So afraid. I've heard people say, I won't even have kids because of this generation that is so evil. And while I understand this sentiment, my friend, the point is this. We cannot afford to walk in fear because God has not, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And he said, he said, I put the, I put the life in the womb. I put the life in the, in the soul, in the child. You don't have to be afraid. I put purpose and destiny in that child. You don't have to be afraid. I don't care what's going on around you because your circumstances and trials are not greater than the faith of a mother that will say, no, no, no. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in his provision. I'm going to trust in the miracle power. I'm going to trust. I will not let circumstances steal my faith. No. You see, she refused to let her trials imprison her with fear. In Hebrews eleven twenty three, 23, I read it to you. It said, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were what? Not afraid of the king's commandment. Here she was pregnant. Here she was not knowing if it was going to be a, a son or a daughter, but knowing that if it was going to be a son, that they were going to throw it in the Nile River, kill it. But she wasn't afraid. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to give in to what the politicians are doing. I forgive the given to put it to give myself to the spirit of it. No, no, no. I'm a Hebrew. I have covenant relationship with God. And so by faith, when the, when the baby boy was born, they hid the child for three months. Not because they were afraid of the king. No, they did it in faith. Standing on the promise of God. Understand that God was greater than what they were facing. Now, she understood the consequences. If she would have been caught, she would have probably, her and her husband would have been facing the death sentence herself. The rest of her kids would have been without a mother and a father. But she refused, she refused to allow fear to grip her heart. Mothers, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't raise your kids in fear. Raise them in faith. You can't be so afraid of the world that all your kids ever see is fear. You got to be so full of faith that all they see is faith. When the world squeezes, your faith comes out. No, God's greater. God's more powerful. God's going to make a way. God's going to do what, what only God can do. And when Jacob was squeezed by faith, she hit him three months. She chose, instead of choosing fear and despair, she chose to grab onto the Lord. That is our power. That is our resource. We have covenant relation with God. I can call upon him and grab a pole the hem of his garment. I can go to the throne of God and grab upon a, a, the foot of the throne. You see, our confidence is in him. You know, I, I think there's been a decree. I know there has been. Satan has got all his minions and all his spirits and he has posted it on doors of hell, and he said, we're going to destroy every Christian child. We're going to destroy 
Every child that has faith, we're going to kill every one of them. We're going to poison their minds with, with filth and trash and, and uh, you know, confusion and identity and all this stuff. Wickedness and selfishness and pleasure and worldliness. We're going to bombard them until we destroy and kill every faith of every child. And if we're not careful, the spirit of fear will get a hold of us. But my friend, fear is not what God has given us. There's got to be a mama bear that rises up and says, no, 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 God's given me power and love and a sound mind. And I will not compromise. And I will not be afraid. And I will not bow down to the spirit of this age. And I will not sacrifice my kids to the spirit of this hour. No, no, no. I will stand in faith. I will, I will do what I can as a mother to protect my children. But I will not give in to what this generation wants me to give in. Never, never, never. Now, she hid, she hid them three months, and my friend, that's something we should do. We've got to hide our kids from these spirits. We've got to protect them. We've got, we got to put a shield of protection around them. We've got to limit what they see, what they hear, and what they're learning. We've got to protect their innocence as long as possible. So by faith, she hid. It wasn't fair. By faith, she hid them. By faith, I'm going to protect my kids. By faith, I'm not going to just give them unprotected resources where, where they can just Google anything. By faith, I'm going to protect what they hear and see and are taught. I'm going to do that by faith. Psalms 91 and 1 says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then verse 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. In other words, what the psalmist is saying, parents, mothers, take your kids in the prince of God and he will shield them. He will put his wings upon them and cover them from the storm of this generation. He will be the shield and the buckler to them. The second lesson that Jacobet has, is teaching us is that she recognized the call of God upon her son. And I think this is incredible. Mothers, your children have a call of God upon them. God has put it in them from the moment they were burnt, burnt, born, burned, mother, whatever that is. Time for a drink. <laughs> the prophet Jeremiah, in thy womb, they were called to be a prophet. Timothy says, from the foundation of the earth, I have called thee. And I put my purposes in every child. Mothers, your children have a call of God. And your and you're calling as a mother is to recognize it and mold it and shape it within them. Genesis 12 records the blessings and the promise of the covenant with Abraham. That this covenant would go beyond Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it would, it would go down to every generation. And Jacob had believed the promises of God. She believed the covenant meant something with Abraham and with the Almighty God. In Genesis 15, it was recorded to Abraham and recorded for all of Israel that God foretold that Israel would be in bondage for 400 years. That the blessings were upon Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but for 400 years they would be put in a foreign land. But when 400 years was over, that a deliverer would rise up and God would deliver his people out of bondage and slavery. Jacob could simply just add up the years 
And she realized real quick the 400 years were about to come to an end. The 400 years were about to complete and the time of deliverance was at hand. The time of trials, the time of hardship, the time of fear, the time of oppression was about to be done because God was about to step on the scene in the lives of the Hebrews. That She decided that she was going to hold on to the promise of God. I don't care what Pharaoh said. I don't care what the bleakness looked like. I don't care the cries of the children that, that, are, that, are, that seem to be uh, breaking the hearts of every mother. I'm going to hold on to the promise of God and I'm never letting go. I wonder what would happen if mothers got a hold of what Jacob had got a hold of and said, I'm going to hold on to the promise of God. I'm going to stand on his promise. I don't care what the world is saying. I'm standing on his promises. I'm going to prophesy over my son. I'm going to prophesy over my daughter. I'm going to proclaim what God has determined and said in his word. I'm standing on what the Lord has said and not what the enemy is saying. And so Hebrews 11 and 23, again, notice by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Why? Because they saw he was a proper child. Moses was illegally birthed. It's hard to say that. Allowed to live. Can you imagine? And yet we live in a world where babies are destroyed all the time. Moses was supposed to be killed by law. And yet, Jacob had hid him because she saw something in him. As a mother, she saw the call of God. He was a proper child. Other translations said he was a beautiful child. So he probably was a beautiful child. He was probably one of those, you know, those Gerber babies. You know, they uh, put them on everywhere, post their picture. But it was more than that. It wasn't just physical. Acts 7 and 20, when Stephen is preaching, he says about Moses the baby that he was well-pleasing to God. King James says it that way. The new King James, I should say. Well-pleasing to God. And this simply means that there was an anointing upon Moses. There was an anointing that Jacob Ed could see the mother and father of Moses. They recognized he was a proper child. He was well-pleasing to God. God's hand was upon him. And so this God-fearing mother and father, they saw their anointing and their calling upon their baby. And they recognized that God's hand is upon him. And somehow, I don't know how they knew it. I don't know how they recognized it. God just impressed on their hearts, this baby would be the promised deliverer. Wow. Could you imagine? having that thought, that recognition, that revelation. And so instead of fear, worry, and and doubt, Jacob had said, I'm going to hold on to the promise of God. I'm going to hold on to the promise of God for the people because God said he's going to raise up a deliverer. I'm going to hold up the promise of God for a generation. For God said there's going to be, revel- there's going to be revival and restoration. And she said, I'm going to hold on to the promises for my son because there's a calling and there's a, there's, there's a special purpose and anointing for him to rise up in this generation and to be what God's called him to be so he can lead pe- the people of God out of bondage and slavery in Egypt she was convinced and this I think mothers is where we got to get to I'm not a mother but I'm a father we got to get convinced that if God called our children and we're doing everything we know to do to raise them in the house of God and protect them and hide them from the things in the world 
we got to be convinced that then God will then preserve them. When we've done all we know to do, God will make up the difference. Amen? By faith, not fear, she hid Moses three months. By faith, not fear, she put him in a small basket and set him in the Nile River. By faith, not fear, she let go of that basket as it floated down the Nile River. Because she recognized and believed in the call of God. And she knew if God called him and God anointed him and, and God's got his hand on him, then God's going to take care of him when I have to let go. That brings me to the third lesson that she teaches us this morning. This is a hard one for mothers, for fathers, for people in general. She trusted God. She simply trusted God. You know, it's hard for us as humanity to truly trust. We trust but verify, as Reagan famously said. <laughs> I know you're going to take care of my boy, but I'm just going to make sure God. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my hand on the basket. Just walk it down the river. You know, because there's a natural instinct, especially in mothers, to protect your children. God put it there. It's instinctive. To always be aware of danger. I thank God for my godly wife who raised our kids. And, you know, I, <laughs> I remember many times I was just out of it, sound asleep, you know, in the middle of the night. I mean, the kids would make a sound, just a little beep, and she was wide awake in the room taking care of them. And there was times that she caught things that, may have done real harm to our kids. One night she walked in and I believe it was Gabe wasn't breathing. She just instantly woke up and went in the room. He wasn't breathing. I was just sound asleep. It was left up to me. I don't know. <laughs> Gabe, I'm sorry. I mean, we got a sacrifice. <laughs> we got a sacrifice for a good night of sleep, you know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> But a mother has that instinct. And so because she has that instinct, it's hard then to let go and trust. It's hard. She did everything she knew to do. She, she hid him three months until she couldn't hide him anymore. She, she made a small little basket. She waterproofed the basket and she covered it in pitch. She laid her three-month-old baby in that basket and then she laid it among the reeds of the riverbank. She did everything she could, but there was a moment when she had to let go of that basket and trust God. And take that baby out of her control and put it in God's control. You see, I think it's hard. I think the hardest thing for any of us to do is let go of that basket. It's much easier to say, oh, well, yeah, I trust God. <laughs> well, you've got a grip on that basket. Oh, I trust him. Yeah, yeah, he's going to take care of Moses, yeah. He's going to take care of my baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another story to let go of that basket. As it goes down that river and say, no, ba my baby's yours, God. My baby's yours. Pretty scary to do that. We like to be in control. We like to be in control. But my friends, I'm going to tell you what I know this morning is you're going to have to trust God. Because that's the only thing that counteracts the fear that comes against you on a daily basis. It's trust that allows you to overcome fear. It's trust that allows you to stand tall in the middle of a generation where darkness is all around you. 
Yes, do what all, I mean, I mean, she didn't just walk down the river and just throw them in the river and say, there, I trust you, God. Swim, baby, swim. <laughs> and don't parent like that. Don't throw these, all the evil in front of your child's face and say, well, I trust God. No, no, no. No, that's not what I'm saying this morning. You do everything you know to do to protect your children. You put boundaries in their life. You, 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 you limit their, what they see and hear, like I talked about earlier. But there comes a time when you can, you've done everything you know to do. You know everything you can do. You prayed every prayer you know to pray. And there comes that time when you've got to let go and then trust God. It's different for every mother and every person, every situation. But for Jacob, that came very early when he, when he was just three months old. Let go, let go. And she did. She watched him float down that river. Could you imagine standing there watching her? I, I mean, I can't. I, I think of these, sometimes it's Bible stories, and we just think of the, you know, it's just a little a fun Bible story, you know. No, no, no. Put yourself there. Put in that basket, letting go. And watching your baby float down the Nile River until it's beyond where you can see in the river bend. And then she went back to her house. I know what she did. The Bible doesn't say, but I know what she did. She went back home to pray. I promise you that. And God answered her prayers. God miraculously saved her baby. That little basket flowed down the Nile, and it just so happened that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the dirty. Now, I read one commentary that said, you know, in Egypt, they had incredible beautiful bathing houses for princesses to bathe in why did the pharaoh's daughter go to a filthy Nile river to bathe in because god put it in her heart and when she was there bathing she saw that baby and when she saw that baby the bible says that she drew him out and so she called him moses which means to draw out and she saved that baby from death but it wasn't her it was god my friend, God did the miracle. The last and final lesson that I want to share with you this morning is this, and this is an important one. Jacob had instilled the knowledge of the Lord in her son. She did everything she could to put the knowledge of the Lord in her son. You see, it was Miriam, that, uh, the older sister of Moses, that instead of going back with mom and praying at the house, she decided to run down the bank and just see what happened to her brother. I mean, there she was. I don't know how old she was, but she was old enough to run down the river. And, and when she saw what was happening and she watched uh, the basket float down to this place where all these people were, the royalty of Egypt, and she saw the prince of Egypt reach down and grab that baby and pick him up out of that little basket, uh, she ran up to the princess of Egypt and she said, if you want, I'll go find somebody to nurse the baby. How incredible was that? She became an, an intercessor for her brother. The princess agreed, and she runs home to her mother. That's praying. And now, can you imagine Jacob beds in the house praying? God, I know you're going to save my, not in fear, but in faith. The Bible clearly tells us in Hebrews, by faith. You see, we always interpret this all by fear, but it's not. It's by faith she did all of this. 
She's in, the, she's in her house praying and believing God. I know you're going to take care of my baby. I know you're going to watch over him. I know when I, when, when I let him go in that river that your hand's upon him. I know that somehow. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but I know you're going to take care of my baby. You're going to save him from death. You're going to save him from the, from the, tr- the trials of, of the river and the circumstances that could so easily you know, capsize the, uh, you know, the, little, the little basket or whatever. An alligator could find him or whatever. The, all the evils of the Nile River. But I know God, you're going to take care of my baby. And all of a sudden, the door flings open. Bam! And it hits the wall, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't know if she had things hanging on the shelf or not, but if she did, they all fell off. And, uh, and Jacobette was startled. She looked up, and there Miriam is standing, bright-faced, uh, at the doorway. Mom! Mom! Excited and exclaimed, you're not going to believe this! You're not going to believe this! But the princess of Egypt uh, had found baby baby Moses and and she was going to adopt him and she wants somebody to come and nurse him and I told her I'd go find somebody so mother you be the one come quickly mom I mean I can imagine Jacob it's can you imagine the shouting, the moment of shouting of joy, of, of just the incredible knowledge as she proclaimed, I knew God would do this for me. I knew God would take care of my baby. I knew God would answer my prayer. I knew God would supply all of my needs. I knew it because God's faithful. In the Exodus 2 and 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, speaking to Miriam, I'm excuse me, speaking to Jacobed once Jacobed got there. Take this child away, speaking of Moses, and nurse him for me. And I will give you thy wages. I'll pay you to do this. (laughs) I don't think she needed the money. I'm sure she could use it, but I don't think the motivation was the money. And Jacobed took her child, her baby, and nursed it. What an incredible, incredible Story and miracle provision. Notice verse 10. And when the child grew, she, Jacob had brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. Now we don't know the age. We don't know how old. And he became her son. But I, it was probably, um, this is a total guess on my part, but probably preteen, or it could be younger, I don't know, but somewhere around that time period. Jacob had took, and throughout that entire time, uh, I imagine that she would take her to the princess's house so they would have some kind of bonding experience. But whatever the circumstance, the Bible doesn't give us details. We just know this. Jacob had at some point had to take her, or excuse me, take Moses to Jacob. Jacob had, let me start over here. I'm just talking, speaking in tongues up here. Um <laughs> Jacob had to take Moses to the princess of Egypt's house and literally hand her son over to the princess of Egypt. Now, that would be a difficult task in itself. So here is her son, Moses. She's being adopted as the son of the prince of Egypt, or the princess of Egypt, excuse me. Now think about what that entails. Her son would be surrounded by the decor and the lifestyle of all the Egyptians. Her son, her son would be taught to serve and to worship the false gods in Egypt. Her, sons will be, her son would be engulfed in the sinful culture and, and, 
and just lifestyles that the Egyptians lived. And he wouldn't be on the fringes, but he would be right at the center of it all, sitting at the king's table, surrounded by the magicians and the nobility and the royalty and the wisest men in the land there to influence her son. And yet Jacob did not fear and says she took every moment that she had and she took her son and she put the knowledge of God in him every moment she had every day that she had with him she taught her son about the living God oh she didn't let one service go by then she took it for granted no she poured into him let me tell you about the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob let me tell you about the covenant relationship that, that and the and the and the and the um, covenant that Abraham made with God let me tell you the calling of God is upon your life and she shared with him the character and the nature of the living God and how all the other false gods were not gods at all and she taught him to have a healthy fear of the Lord you need to respect the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob honor him and worship him and him alone Moses hear me he's your God you're his child you have Abrahamic blood in you Abraham that means you have a covenant with him it doesn't matter where you go what you do you're never going to change you got a call of God on your life and you are called to serve him and him alone she reinforced his identity day after day after day Moses you're called of God Moses you're called of God your identity is of Jehovah you're called of God he's called you to deliver your people he's called you to take the people to promise land. you know whatever however she phrased it however she put it she made sure that Moses knew who he was you're a child of the living God and you've got a calling on your life because Jacob had knew that the time would come when she was going to have to say goodbye to Moses once again. And now she wasn't given up to Egypt. She was given or to the Nile River. She was given up to Egypt this time. But when he sat in Egypt, he was gonna know who he was. I'm sure she knew that he might make some wrong turns. <laughs> I'm sure she understood as a mother that living in Egypt, she would he would probably be influenced to make some bad decisions probably do some sinful things. She understood that he might be swayed for a moment by the ways of Egypt and all that it entails. She knew he would make some mistakes, but she also understood this. The words of God that I put inside of him will never rest. They will never return void. And they are seeds that are planted in his life that will come up and pr produce a harvest. Even though Moses would sit in the palace of Egypt, sitting at the king's table, the word of God that she put in him would be there present every moment, every banquet, every hour. And that word would be more powerful than anything he sees in Egypt. Hebrews 4 and 12 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, to the joints and marrow, and the discerner of thoughts and intent of the heart. How many times did that word that, that his mother had put in him convict his heart? 
How many times did that word challenge him? How many times did that word contradict everything that was being said at the table? How many times did that word uh, just put grip his heart and tug at his soul? How many times? We don't know. It's not recorded. But we know what she put as a God-fearing mother, what she put in her son sustained him through the hardest probably upbringing that every, any man could ever have outside of the house of God. And somehow, some way, he rose up at the end and became what God had called him to be. My friend, it happened by faith. You see, when we see our kids go the wrong way, we can either despair or we can have faith. When they make bad decisions, we can be in the spirit. We can have faith. But Jacob had said, no, no, no. I'm holding on the promise of God from Moses. I'm holding on the promise of God. I know what was on him at birth. I know what God did for him at the Nile. And I know what God's going to do for him in Egypt. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, fret. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep. No, no, no. By faith, my friend, I'm talking about a mother's faith that never forgot, never, never stopped believing and never quit standing on the promise of God for her children. Every day she went to prayer for Moses. Every day she prayed for him. God, break the back of the spirits of the Egyptians. Every day God reminded him of who he is, reminded of the calling, reminded of his bloodline. And, and the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you're in this house this morning, you're raising small kids. Don't ever miss the house of God if you can, if you can help it. Don't ever wake up and make it a decision. Are we going to go to church today or not? And no, train up your child. We are going to the house of God. Unless we're out of town or we're sick, we're going to the house of God. Because I promise you, if you'll bring them to the house of God, and if you'll train them up in the ways they should go, it doesn't matter what the world does to them or what Egypt does to them. You can stand on the promise of God that the word is inside them, and the world, the word is gonna is gonna go forth because the word you put in them and the promise you put in them and the call of God you put in them will not return void. And when they're old, they will come back. And Moses, one day, forty years old. I mean, here he was to be a political leader in Egypt. Here he was with great uh, ability to speak and, and charismatic and the son of Pharaoh. And one day he wakes up and he looks out and he sees all the slaves of the Hebrews. And he, something pricks his heart and he decides, from this day forward I will not be called the son of Pharaoh. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow God. Would you stand with me? Jacob has taught us four things, my friends. The first one, that trials and circumstances are not greater than a mother's faith. The second thing she taught us is that a mother must recognize and must establish a call of God upon her children. The third thing she taught us is that a mother must trust God. When she's done all that she can. And she has to let go. The fourth thing she taught us is that she must instill the word of God and the ways of God and the knowledge of God and the presence of God in her children. For the time comes when he or she's in the world. Those things she instilled in, in him or her will rise to the surface and keep her 
and keep him. I don't know where your children are this morning if you have adult children. Maybe some of them have made mistakes. But there's a promise God has put upon your life. The word will not return void. You put it in them. They may be in the world, but God's going to bring them back. Moses may be sitting at the, 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 the table of Pharaoh, but God's going to bring them back. You're not the son of Pharaoh. You're the son of Abraham, called of God. I just wonder this morning, how many of us could stand on the promise of God and say, I refuse to give up. I refuse to stand in fear. I refuse to let doubt have the last word in my life or my child's life. I refuse to give up and allow the world to run over me. I refuse to fret and worry and be anxious. I am going to draw a line in that sand and say, I don't know what this world's going to do, but I'm stepping over this line as a godly mother and saying, as for me and my house, we're going to stand in faith. And we're going to live in God, live for God. And we're going to walk in faith. And we're never surrendering until that trumpet sounds. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. You know, someone that needs to prophesy over their children. Someone that just stand at the doorway of the room when they're sleeping and say, I prophesy the things of God over their life. I'm not stewing and I'm not fretting. I'm not crying myself to sleep. I'm trusting God. Oh, I feel something rising up in me. Somebody, come on, mom, can you trust God? I don't care what the evidence says. I don't care how bleak it looks. Can you trust God? Come on, Father. I don't care what he's saying or what she's saying when you talk to them. Can you trust God? Come on. Come on, parent. I don't care what the world looks like or how bleak it is. Someone's got to stand up and draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to intercede for my kids. I'm standing on the promises. And I'm never letting go. Mother's faith can change the circumstance. A mother's faith can literally change the destiny of their child. A mother's faith can literally stand in the gap between them and the Lord. A mother's prayer and a mother's uh, uh, trust and mother's uh, uh, love and a mother putting a, you know, the promises of God in their children can be the difference maker for heaven and for hell. Oh, I just feel something stirring in me. Because I know the generation is saying, you got to be afraid. The generation said, you better, you, you better cry yourself to sleep at night. God's never going to do it. But I just see in this hour, in this house, there's some mothers saying, no, no, no. I'm joining. They're heroes of faith like Jacob had. And I'm going to, by faith, raise my children. By faith, pray over them. By faith, I'm going to put them in the hands of God. By faith, I'm going to put the word of God. By faith, I'm going to let them know they're called of God. By faith, I'm going to look into the generation of wickedness and I'm going to trust God anyway. I wonder if we could open these altars up and we could let the mothers come first this morning. If you're a mother, why don't you come up here and just stand and say, I'm going to stand with Jacob. Ed. By faith. By faith. This world is dark, but it's not, it's not more powerful than the light that we possess. By faith. The fear is real, but it's not greater than my faith. By faith. I want you to raise your hand all across this sanctuary. 
If you're a father in this house, why don't you come up and join your wife this morning and why don't you stand next to her? Hallelujah. 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 If you're not a mother or a father, but you're just here today, why don't you come forward and why don't you make up your mind? I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to trust God in an hour of darkness. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and proclaim the promises of God this morning. He's doing it. He's doing it. God's making a way. God's going to make a way where there's no way. God's going to do it this morning. I will build.